welcome to the Brian Hooper podcast. I am Brian Hooper. Shocking, I know. Uh, I guess this is my second solo pod I've done without the uh, the great Peter Overzet. So uh, bear with me as I stumble stumble my way through this. Decided to do Q&A style because it's way easier than thinking thinking of stuff yourself, guys. You farm the questions. All right. Let's, uh, let's look through these questions here. All right. I'll start with what looks to be a real question from our guy, Lou Dog. Um... Everyone knows Lou. He asks, um, it's a bunch of questions, but kind of on a general concept. What kind of bankroll is needed to enter 150 lineups? How many buy-ins should you have available to you? Second part, is that as simple as 150x number of total slates? Um, And then this is kind of separate. For NFL, if you lose H-trade, should you stop there? All right. So, entering 150, I would need more information, like um, what's your win rate, how you know how how have, how have you been doing over the X amount of years, um, what stakes have you been playing? Uh, I'm not have been playing. Yeah, I guess have been playing. But what stakes do you plan to enter the 150 in? Is the big key, because entering 150 into, you know, a 50, like a fifty dollar or hundred dollar big millie maker on NFL Sunday is a heck of a lot different than a uh, 25 cent entry, 150. So let's just stick with a dollar, uh, dollar a lineup, 150, 150 max, just to keep the math simple. Kind of a bad slate is you'll get like 25% back. So, like, having that in mind, you're going to get back, like, 30, whatever, what is it, 33 bucks or something. Um, you're going to lose, like, 112. I think somewhere around, like, $3,000 for that seems like kind of a solid number to play those stakes. And then if I probably lost half of that, then I would drop down to the 50-cent level and then... Again, to the 25 cent level. Um, this is if I'm playing like, you know, pure bankroll protection. I'm like a college kid or something. I have no other way of getting any money. That's it. Um, that would kind of be, I think that, I think that, that seems fair without having, you know, a, a whole bunch more information from you. And then actually looking, looking at it closely. I would just kind of rule thumb like that. That seems pretty fair. Um, if you lose eight straight NFL slates, should you just stop there? That's a good question. You know, most people are losing players, right? Um, unfortunately, it'd be nice if you know we could all win somehow. But so technically, you probably should you probably should stop before you start. But we, you know, a lot of people gamble for entertainment purposes. So they're fine losing 50 bucks in drafting a few teams or 10 bucks or whatever. Maybe if they're 
have a really high paying job and they're fine losing well more than that. So it's hard to say, but let's say you're not, you're trying to figure out if you're a winning player, should you spend more time into this? Uh, you know, I would say eight on the NFL is not enough, not a big enough sample size. NFL is definitely the sport where it is very tough to judge how you're doing. Because if you compare it to any of the other sports, like baseball is the obvious one. You know, you have 17 weeks in the NFL, basically, um, with main slates for getting showdowns and afternoons and all that stuff. And the the uh, the amount of slates, you could get that many slates in MLB in like 10 days, 12 days. I'm, I mean, if you don't play MLB, you, you might think I'm joking there. I'm not. Because like, they'll have like a... A full slate on you know n- at noon and then another slate at six like a couple times a week so you're getting in a you know bigger sample size to achieve your edge or see if you're losing an MLB a lot faster than um, NFL and another thing a lot of people don't take into account is NFL is the most popular sport so all these tournaments are bigger the, a lot bigger so like in baseball since this is the sport that's playing right now it's on the top of my head you know, the, the the main $15 slate that everyone, you know, generally wants to play and win that has like 50K or 100K up top will have between 13,000 to 23,000. It's pretty big for MLB opponents, total entries. And go look at a big NFL slate. There's 300,000. There's someone like when they do like a $5 milli, they gets, it gets even more ridiculous the amount of opponents you have and that scales down all the way too to even to like some of the smaller you know three maxes and stuff still have tons and tons of opponents and so that's a good thing because you're going to have weaker competition um more casual players but it's also more variance because you have to get through a whole lot of lineups to realize your edge um so in football, I would say eight is not enough. You know, obviously play what you can afford, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I would go, hmm. I would go like if you if you are getting less than 25% back for like 10, 10 straight weeks in NFL, I mean, you definitely want to at the very least reevaluate your process heavily, probably take a week or two off and like completely redo it. If you're getting, if you're, if you're losing, this is another important uh, point. If you're losing, but only slightly, like you're coming close to breaking even each week. That's pretty good for GPPs. A hundred, you're talking, we're talking 150 entries here. That's pretty good. You're actually very close. Um, you're beating, you're basically beating rake, which most people can't do. So if you are getting back like 75%, 80%, 85% every week, um, definitely don't quit. Like that's pretty promising. Um, you know, maybe just need to get lucky or you just need to tweak some stuff. But if so, I would say more it's the amount you're losing than the um, the total number in NFL. NFL. And, 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 and here's another thing, you know, come the off season, Rethink your process, redo everything you're, you know, come up with new ideas. And, you know, I don't want people, you know, wasting, you know, shoveling money down a, a well, right? But like if you, 
if you have money to spend, redo your process and then start again and then start again. And then yeah, week eight is not a bad spot, by the way, to, to really evaluate what you're doing. And so I think simply if you're, if you're getting 10, 15, 20, 25%, maybe 35% back every week, um, you're, you know, you might want to rethink something. If it's like you're getting 1.1 X and then 35% and then 80% and then 1.2 X, right? Like around there, like don't quit. Like if you're enjoying it and you have the money. Okay. From our guy, Drico. Uh, which correlation lessons from DFS most applicable to best ball? So I am not even close to done with my best ball sim I want to build to like kind of test some of these theories. Can't really do a sim like um, DFS the same way with best ball. But I think you can glean a lot of insights and... Um, and another reason I want to kind of do it is, well, one for for content, I think it'd be good for the show. And I am in like, I don't, I don't care, right? It's best ball. It's not my bread and butter. It's not where I make money. So if I find some interesting stuff, how much does that hurt me? Right. You know, if I get 20 best balls drafted this year, right, that would be my all time high. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, right off the top of my head easily is correlation of the standard correlation QB wide receiver and tight end and pass catching RBs. I, I mean, I know that's, pro- that's so obvious. You probably don't, don't want to hear that, but uh, you, I mean, you want to hear something more interesting. I mean, I don't, I, I just don't see, I just can't uh, uh, see any other correlations from DFS that, <sighs> really matter in basketball like and i would say the um the run back options in dfs are probably overvalued by best ball bros from what i see i mean you know if use it as a tiebreaker if you're looking at like the you got a guy ranked 250th and and that guy ranked 251st and one's a run back on your quarterback double stack you know have at it but um they're going to play at max, what, two games against each other. And, you know, it's not like DFS where we are like 99% certain certain who's going to be playing that day. So if anything, maybe, you know, don't even do a run back if that's built into the ADP and your opponents and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what the Sims going to show. I don't think there's going to be – There honestly, there can't be – Many correlations. Uh, I'm trying to think because because you have to to do a simulation. You kind of have to provide the simulations yourself from past data, which we already have for NFL, obviously. Um, but sometimes it can show you some interesting things through all these these strange interactions. I'm I'm thinking like um, rate of um, advancement, like which. Which players advanced to the playoffs most frequently in the sim? Maybe that can tell us something. Um, you know, advanced versus ADP. Maybe, or maybe you could just tell ADPs uh, they're they're drafted too high on average or too low on average. That would be helpful. 
what does an optimal 150 look like? And then you could, what do those exposures look like? Which players are over and under drafted from those ex- versus those exposures? And then you can hand build from there. There's definitely the big, I mean, the big thing is for me is in the, in best balls portfolio management, but I don't, um, that's kind of, um, not ready for public consumption yet ideas. Um, maybe, maybe we'll talk about it some other time. Sorry. Okay. Alan Lem, if you could see two, uh, Twitter DFS beef between any two people, who would it be and why? Um, my head went to DFS, although Twitter is probably much more interesting, but DFS would be CSU and Bales, right? Like Caesar and Brutus, right? E2 Bales, right? They get into some kerfuffle. That would be great, wouldn't it? You know, you could just see people's heads exploding. Can't you? Not you two. You can't do this to each other. I don't know. I think that would be hilarious. All right. What what else do we got? All right. Our guy, Ben4. Eric says, how long do you want to continue playing DFS? Something you think you'll want to do for many years to come now, or do you have a retirement plan? And, um... My mom liked this tweet, so I I have to respond. Um, I don't have a a expiration date in my head. I still like DFS. I still like... I just loved it about the same thing about poker, DFS. Not having a boss. I could do whatever the hell I want. That's very important to me. I could say whatever I want on all these... Podcasts like that's really fun, you know. I can say whatever I want in lols or and you know, take cast this, whatever. Um, you know, I always have to consider those guys and their careers and stuff like that. And so, I never, I don't want to get anyone in trouble. So, sometimes I censor myself, honestly, but um, things I censor myself probably not that important, anyways. But um, uh, so like, I enjoy it. And I still think we're, I guess the answer is when I, when I don't think I have an edge at all, it's definitely been less the edge. It's been more swingy for me. Um, you know, I won today, so you caught me in a good mood, but, (laughs) um, you know, if you can't, if I can't beat it, then what's the, you know, I can't, I'll just lose all my money and all my savings and blah, blah, blah. So like. That would definitely just put me out of retirement. And, um, you know, I I don't know when that day will come, but probably not in the next five years. Maybe not in the next ten. You know, just someone's, I think, eventually going to provide a product to users that is like a one-click, pretty goddamn good option. And we talked about this with Nerdy Tenor on, on Lulz a couple of weeks ago where he says, I don't want losing players. I want losing players um who who lose to the less than the rake or more than the rake rather and um and he's right because those guys who lose within the rake and as i mentioned earlier in the 150 question are pretty close to winners and some of them probably will win and some of them you know are probably getting lucky etc but they're they're not they're not they're not just putting in you know, brain dead, smooth brain lineups. 
um, which is kind of, um, I don't know, similar to poker back in the day where you didn't want to, you know, I mean, why would you play if you're playing six man max, six max, no limit hold them? Why would you sit at a table of five sharks? Right? It just doesn't make any sense. And um, even if they're just regs and they're probably not winning, they're not like that bad. There's just no reason to, to play it. And it's harder to up your game in DFS, right? Um, where poker, where there was such a long learning curve from to, like 2003 to, to, you know, Black Friday. And now they're probably insanely good. So um, I kind of started rambling there. Lost my thought, but. I don't have a like retirement plan for DFS in life. I kind of want to, you know, have a have a place here in Chicago. I have you know have have a home here in Chicago, and um, I want a snowbird place somewhere warm, probably Florida, because we have a family home there. My brother lives there. The humidity sucks, but you know I know the area and stuff like that. Been going there since I was a kid. So that's probably the long-term plan. That's like 10 years at least on the road to, and if I have enough money and the market's not insane like it is now, but I just can't stand the fucking winners anymore. Next question. All right, let's do non-DFS. Should, the moon sun says, should all drugs be legal? Would it be more beneficial to society to put all the drug war resources into treatment, mental health, quality control, etc.? Let let's say the government will spend the money regardless. He goes on and says, um, "I say absolutely yes for many reasons. Obviously, the freedom to do what you want with your own body, but it's very clearly a failed policy, etc., etc." Um, so he sounds like he's not a regular Lowell's listener. So I. Agree. Uh, I think all drugs should be illegal. The trade-offs aren't worth it. Where, um, you know, crime is a big one where people think if drugs were illegal, there'd be this crime all over the place because people have these breaking and entering crimes to pay for their drugs. But drugs are expensive because it's a supply and demand issue because the supply is so small because it's illegal. So, like, heroin is made by, like... Afghani farmers in a war-torn country, right? And so it's it's easy to make and it's dirt cheap, but over here it's expensive. It's an expensive habit because it's illegal because it's hard to get. So um, and also it causes like these these um, uh, cartels in Mexico that terrorize people to provide recreational drugs for Americans, etc. And the moral aspect, which you mentioned, which is people should have the right to put whatever in their body. I would do like the, the uh, Portugal um, strategy where drugs would be legal. Um, and yes, if you could, if you, if you uh, have to spend money, then yeah, spend it on these drug resource centers, like just like Portugal does. But they do have a different policy where... Um, you can't do drugs open and on the street, which we don't have here. So we kind of have this anarchy, uh, anarcho-tyranny situation going on where it's the worst of both worlds where drug users are, you know, if you live in a major city, you see it 
all over the place and in nice neighborhoods where they're, you know, begging for money and doing drugs and passed out on the street. And in San Francisco, it's a really big problem. Chicago, it's pretty bad, but not nearly as bad because of our weather in the winter. And um, uh, uh, so drugs are illegal and people are still getting arrested and ticketed and what have you, depending on your state laws. But yet... Um, we still have this huge drug problem, right? So it's a huge disaster, clearly a failed policy. Um, let's try something new, um, but uh, don't hold your breath. Okay, Tim Bruns asks, smaller stakes question, Hunterish bankroll. If you hit a decent win for around 1.5K, would you take a shot on a contest such as the Monster? Go heavy on satellites for larger contests. Looking for an opportunity for a big score without playing against 150 maxers. Okay, the idea of not playing against 150 maxers is excellent, but I think that strategy you're, you just suggested, either one, is really bit really bad. You're playing against the monster, uh, like the monster. You're you're playing against the best players, and they're still multi-entering at the same percentage of total entries. So like that's the that's probably the last contest you should enter. Um, satellites, if you can get a ton, <clears throat> a ton of overlay, uh, I guess maybe, but those are generally bad also, especially in the, like the live finals and stuff like that's more of an experience package that you're getting. It's not good for your, you know, bankroll or total ROI to enter in any of those. Um, if you're going to do it to enter into, you know, a $1,500, okay, fine. If you have a lot of overlay, but again, you, you're going to, you're going to face the same issue where all the good players are, are, are mass entering again, and there's a larger percentage of good players and they have the same percentage of total entries compared to 150, basically. So I would definitely not do either of those. Um, I, I, well, I, the strategy I suggest is. It's not the end of the world to play against the 150 maxers. Just do it because the, there's also the worst, the easiest field in those usually. So you want to do it in, in the ones where the um, the field's the easiest, which is generally like the biggest one on the slate. So like for you, then it would be like the $15 one. And do like three entries uh, or probably two or four. And then make those two completely different the best you can where they're not correlated or uh, four, and then do the same thing. So you're not running, you know, four of the same quarterback or the same pitcher. Um, you know, maybe three, but not four. So you don't want all the lineups exactly the same. Don't sacrifice too much. But um, that's what I would do. And then, like, if you're in a dupey sport, same thing. Um, but you just try not to dupe. Do your best to get some sort of low dupe amount without giving up too much and just play two to four entries that's and then you know if you're if you're going to play for the big prize it's not that bad of a strategy because it's still the easiest field even with the 150 maxers as soon as you go up to these 300 777 or 1500 or 3000 or whatever you're playing against really high competition um so i would stay away from that okay Fun question from Nathan. Frog poison once a week for the next two years or become a full-time best ball tout, including weekly shows with Joe Holka? Well, 
I like Hulka, so that's not, that's not going to be a, a negative for me. Um, but full-time best ball tout. Now, the full-time is doing all the work there for me because you put full-time anything, and that sounds like a job. And um, that sounds like a lot of pain, and I do, do not want to do that. Tout? I don't know. Like, well, I mean, tout compared to, you know, like a day laborer, like that sounds like tout's a pretty good job. <laughs> but, um, uh, she, I mean, that would, that would, that would suck. Um, the full-time aspect is, is the worst part of it all. Now, the problem with frog poison is that it's poison. So, I don't want to die. And, um... You know, working full time seems better than dying. So, um, if without researching frog poison uh, survival rates, I'm just gonna have to spitball here and go with uh, full time doubt. Back to a regular question. Okay, how do you say that? Gobble, gobble. When playing PGA, what rules of thumb do you have in regards to ownership? Such as blindly fading anyone over 25% or playing 2x overweight anyone you're rostering. Okay, so I don't have any blindly fading or 2x rules of thumb. I don't like being overweight or underweight for arbitrary reasons. Um, and that's you know kind of what I talked about where I don't like the term leverage. The way it's kind of used normally is... It's like as a descriptive thing, like I am over the field, therefore I'm leveraged. But leverage is like if you are in a wrestling match or an MMA fight and you have a guy, you know, in a um, guillotine or something, like you have leverage over him, right? You Like for a specific reason. Just because you think Garrett Cole is going to, be a good pitcher <laughs> and you take two times the field that does not mean you have leverage that just means you're two times the field so um but that's not what you're asking that was kind of a side tangent is is so ownership with pga is is tricky because i don't think you can just blindly fade people anymore the fields are too sharp and the salaries are too uh too efficient um, we do not want salaries to be efficient as DFS players. We want them to be inefficient. And they base the salaries off the starting winning odds, um, which end up being more or less pretty close to right by uh, Thursday's tea time. So I don't think there's a ton of edge in PGA either way, but the rule of thumb would be you're probably going to be around the ownership of those guys with a few of them leveraged for whatever your reasoning will be. Um, and the leverage will probably come in like the 3 to 7% range owned. That just seems like what it is to me um, normally. Um, like a 25% guy, like I'll probably have them somewhere between 18 and 30 who knows, you know, this is all hypothetical. And if I was running an optimizer, I would run, put in your projection source of choice, you know, run, I don't know, 50 lineups, 
sort by projections, find the optimal, and then cap that the projection the projected points by some margin. So let's say it's 400. Maybe go down to 390. That's max projected points um, for the team. And then do the same thing with ownership. So sort by ownership and what's the optimal. And you do these things and kind of dial it in based on the optimal, not some arbitrary number because it changes each week. So like if the golf tournament is at some tough U.S. Open course, the scores are going to be really low. But if the course is at like the John Deere here in Illinois, the scores are going to be really high. So you can't just say, you know, you know, take take 20 points off the top every time you, you want to do it as a percentage of the optimal. And the same thing with ownership. Uh, hopefully that helps. Okay, Alex Oltman says, is a hot dog a sandwich? That is an easy question. The answer is no. Uh, a hot dog is a, uh, you know, compressed meat drippings um, within a uh, animal skin container. Um, you didn't say, you know, a hot dog on a bun or anything like that. So a hot dog is not a sandwich. The full hot dog and everything like that, I don't know, but you didn't ask that question. So no, just a hot dog is not a sandwich. Rupesh asks, was that drafter's slow draft the only best ball draft you've done? And what do you plan on doing with the data? So, um... It looks like you know exactly what I was doing. So I did do one drafter's slow draft. I just put in ETR's optimals and let it run because um, my coders needed that information. They needed to go in and look and grab the code so they could work on my app to do that, the overlays and everything on drafters. So it's basically like a business business expense. I didn't expect, I don't expect to win, obviously. Um, but that's what I'm doing with that data. Uh, I probably will play a few more drafters and stuff once I, you know, if anyone's hired coders, they know it just takes forever and you never get exactly what you want, but hopefully it gets pretty good. Okay. Kevin McSherm asks, what do you think will happen in the future if, when near human level AI exists in terms of normally, normie people generating income? Okay, I thought that was going to be, what are you going to do when that happens with DFS? But in terms of normal, normie people generating income, yeah, so I used to be a big UBI bro back in the day, and that was one of the main reasons is what are people going to do when there is um, no jobs? And um, I guess long story short is usually when these things happen throughout human history is more jobs are created through the efficient process of implementing um, machines and AI work. But if you do want a good debate, you could look at... um, the the Soho Forum, which is a debate forum, um, and I believe this is on YouTube. It's titled The Soho Forum of the Rise of Robots, and it's between 
Martin Ford and a guy who I I uh, follow and follows me is um, uh, Anthony uh, Samaroff, who actually titled a book called Universal Basic Income For and Against, which I think he made free now. Uh, so check it out. Uncle Hefe with a very important question. Would your opinion on hot naked girls doing yoga change if they were backed by Saudi money? That is a good question because the Saudis are engaged in a war with Yemen. More of a, you know, a genocide as they are um, winning that war handily and a lot of uh, innocent Yemenis are starving and dying of dysentery and so based off that I would say you know what maybe I shouldn't but then I thought well America is also refueling the Saudi planes in this war selling them arms and giving them military and backing so does that mean I can't watch American girls doing uh, naked yoga now? Um, so I think the only answer is I have to review the uh, hot naked girls doing yoga uh, sponsored by or backed by Saudi money to um, assess, you know, what the hell is going on, right? And then make my decision from there. Uh, so wait and see. That's a wait and see approach. Or I, I guess see and wait. Sim Carter asks, old style or old style light? Old style, I would say, if I'm just picking one at the Cubs game. My old joke was, I've been drinking old style for so long, they used to just call it style. Um, feel free to use that dad joke. Just give me credit instead. That's how, that's how good that was. All right. Last question from Go Sox Bro. If you were president, what would be a few of your policies? Well, the first one would be, I declare myself emperor and I would, uh, rule with an iron fist and um, I'd probably, you know, start a gulag um, where I would put all my enemies. Those would probably be my first, uh, my first few moves. All right. Well, I uh, I'm gonna end it there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. What a treat for all of us. All right. Thanks. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll, do, I'll do some more of these if anyone is interested. Adios, fellas.